0: The Sports Career Podcast, Episode 300: How to Be Resilient When Starting a Career in the Sports Industry. and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. But before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, I want to say a massive, massive thank you to you. Yes, you, the listener. Today is episode 300, which honestly is a milestone. I never imagined three years ago, let alone seven years ago. And I've always learned from guests on the show who are high-performance coaches, they always say, like, acknowledge... The milestones, acknowledge those mini wins. And I just want to take the time to acknowledge it with you because you've been part of the journey. So every week, I am so grateful for people who listen to the show. But most importantly, I hope the show has been a resource that has supported your sports career growth and development. Like for me, that's what inspired me to do it with the idea outside a train station at Byfleet and Newhall station. So for me, I want to acknowledge you and I hope the show has really benefited you in the direction you want to go with your sports career ambition and development. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in a football club or working in the football industry in general. I hope today's episode can support your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest, I've got the real pleasure to bring back such a dear friend who I've known for over five years in the sports industry, and I know he's gonna really rock the mics for you with regards to what it takes for soccer in the football industry, and that is my good returning guest, Diazala. Dia, Salah. Dia Salah is a football industry expert. He is currently the sports director of Asut Clement. FC, which is a football club in Egypt. He's also a sports management instructor at FIFA CIES Executive Program in Sports Management Two, and as a friend, I've known him. We have done webinars in the past, and we just have similar values of what it really takes to in the football industry. And he is just somebody to learn from with regards to how to be a great football industry professional. So for that reason, it's such a pleasure to have dear back on the show. And that's when today's episode, dear, will share his football career journey and explain to you why being resilient is key when starting a career in the sports industry. Dear, it's such a joy to have you back on the Sports Career Podcast after five years and also, as I just said before we went live, you are actually my 300th interview on the show. So I couldn't have a better friend, and I mean that word friend, to do this interview with. But just for the listeners who haven't listened to your first episode with me back five years ago, there will be a link in the show notes, which was all about how to apply a football diploma in the football industry. It's worth a listen because it's still applicable to this day. But dear, just for the listeners can you just give a little snapshot of who you are and your little football career journey
1: as well? Ed, I, I really don't know what to say. I, I mean, I'm very, very pleased with what you're doing. Um, and I don't want to say friend. I want to say mate, like we say <laughs> in the <in> UK. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You, you've been doing an amazing job over the last years um, with all these these podcasts and trying to help out a lot of people that are involved in the sports uh, field or the sports uh, uh, industry, like we call. It. Um, again, it's it's a pleasure for me to be here with you again on the on your thir- 300th uh, episode. Um, uh, just a small brief about about myself. Uh, my name is Dia Sala. I'm uh, well. I'm a computer engineer, but um, I did that switch, and I I, I had to, to to work with something that I have passion and I, and, and and I feel for, which was sports. Um, I played uh, football in, 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 in Egypt and I played in Canada for a couple of years professional. Then I went off to London. Uh, I played for a couple of years there. And, uh, and then I, I did my, um, uh, my level one coaching uh, 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 license in, in the UK, in London. Uh, and then when I moved back to Egypt, um, I didn't feel that coaching was something that I really wanted to do at. Um, so I, maybe it's about my personality a little bit. I, I I don't know why at that time, but I, I really wanted to go into, to management. Um, I came back, like I said, uh, and I joined a very big multinational company, a cement company called Semex. Semex um, they own, uh, a football uh, club in Egypt and in Mexico, they're called Tigris. And uh, during my work, um, I was in the IT department, and then I started to, uh, you know, to uh, to hang out with the people that were in charge of the football team. Uh, we have our own stadium uh, in Asyut, and, and the club here in Egypt is called Asyut Cement uh, Football Club. And uh, during that time, I started to 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 reach out a little bit more towards the board. Um, and when we were talking one day uh, about. You know football and 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 what i've seen abroad and and, and the, the country president told me dia why don't you come and you know share your experiences on the football side and that that to me was like oh okay you know on the management part so uh, what i did i i did my fifa diploma in sports management and that that was very very important for me as well and then i uh, i came back uh, and started managing the whole football um, business in the company and then I, um, and I did something at that time, which was something very new. Um, you know, we, I managed to shift the whole football business from a cost center into a profit center. And, and when I say cost center and profit center, those are two uh, terminologies that we use on the corporate side, but it's not very common in Egypt on the sporting side. So when I made some revenues from the football um, uh, business that we had, um, you know, the 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 board and 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 upper management started saying, "Hey, you know what? You know, there's something uh, we can gain from 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 the football side." Um, I I uh, I uh, we managed to to bring up like two three very very good players, and today we have uh, one of the big uh, um, uh, Egyptian national team goalkeepers, Mohamed um, Abu Gabal Gabaski. He was one of my my young players that that uh, that we we uh, we had in us uh, We had Amr Tare, another player that played for New York Red Bulls and um, and Orlando uh, in uh, in in the U.S. in the MLS. So you know we did some good stuff. Um, I left 2012. I went to Libya. I worked uh, as the marketing and investment director at a big football club in, in in Libya. And at that time, Ed, when I when I took. When I left the, um, uh, the company at that time, that was my, my deal. Uh, okay, dear, am I going to go back and work in the corporate side or am I going to continue with my career in, in, the sport, in the sports side, in the football side? And, of course, it's a very risky uh, decision, but you know, that, that's a totally different other podcast. <laughs> you know, different topic, taking that, that risk and moving to work with something in something that you love um so yeah i said okay no more corporate for me and then i would move on to the sports side came back from libya and then i joined uh, a world leader in sports integrity and data sport radar um which was uh, a big swiss company and uh, and again it was a very 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 um interesting experience to to work in about in the topic of integrity betting match fixing anti doping and that was something that I really, really learned a lot. Um, and then last year, um, I, you know, I left two years ago. Uh, Sport Radar came back, and then I was approached by Osijek Cement Club again. They said, "Dear, we want you to come back home." So, and I couldn't say no. I came back, and we were in the third division at that time. And uh, yeah, thankfully, uh, we got promoted in the first year from third to second division, and we're now preparing for our season. So that's a quick, I hope it's not a long brief, but that's quickly what I've uh, been doing uh, in in my sports uh, side.
0: I want to touch on a few things because we always keep our friendship in the sports industry and also outside. And you said one thing and we won't go into too much detail, but I think it's important for the listeners that during a career, there's always those risk decisions. May I ask how you uh, process that decision? like how do you process a decision like that? Because I think that's a huge part of our career development is making decisions. Some are easy to make, and then some are, as you say, a bit more risky. I'm just, and you've gone through the hard yards, my friend. So I'm just, I just want the listeners to realize that there is a process of how you can decode a risk decision, if that makes sense. I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that element, just the risk decision part.
1: Well, yes. I mean, it's just that you need to, uh, to be very honest with yourselves uh, when you're taking a decision. Ed, um, and, and you have to be very, uh, of course, careful with, with that decision because, you know, today you might take a decision. It might affect your family in, in some way. Uh, it might affect your work. It might, it might affect the, the, the team that you're working with so you need to be very very careful and, and it's there's nothing wrong with asking other people for their their opinions you know uh some people don't like to take other people's opinions but no i i always you know i i always like to listen to other other thoughts other opinions maybe other people that've been through something or the same uh, uh situation that i had uh, or i'm trying to do uh and just like i said taking a decision is something very 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 crucial and 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 for example when I did that career I think that was something very very big you know uh should I leave the IT uh side or the corporate side and, and move into sports I had uh I took a week off and I had to think about it um uh very 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 much and and, and again you know sometimes it, you you follow your heart and you follow your passion sometimes you don't but um but yeah, like I said, it, it, it's crucial, but it's okay to ask other people for, their, for, for, for help, for other advice. Even, even if there's elder people that um, uh, have been through a lot of other experiences, why not reach out to them and, 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 and listen?
0: And just final thing, because I think this is the key word. Do you think the risk increases with a decision when we as individuals have more responsibility? Because when I was younger, going back seven years ago, I would take risk on certain things, but the older I'm getting, I'm like, hold on. I need to look at other responsibilities than just the decision itself on my career journey. I'd just love to hear your thoughts, like how responsibility influences our decisions. Oh, <laughs> that's a that, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I think it's the truth, though. If you think about it, it. it's the truth. Yes, like like I said, and uh, it,
1: it, I mean, taking to take that the, the correct decision. Sometimes it might be correct. Sometimes it's not. But again, you always need to, to, uh, to, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to move on. I mean, even if you take a bad decision, it's, it, it happens. We all take bad decisions, good decisions, whatever. But I mean, whatever decision you take, you need to, to, uh, to evaluate that decision later on you know, to see, okay, it, was it a right decision or not? You know, did I have the, uh, enough data to make that decision or not? Sometimes you take a decision, you need to make some homework and, and, and gather some information to, uh, to help you take that decision, you know? Uh, sometimes you, 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 you gather the wrong information, so that will affect your decision. Sometimes you need to uh, go back a little bit or a couple of steps backwards. Okay, now maybe I need to gather some other information, maybe the information is not correct, and then uh, take another decision, take another decision at the end of the day. But yeah, it is, a, it is a risky process at the end. But I think, you know, the more you do it um, and the more clear you have of what your vision is and, and where you are going, I think that the decisions uh, will be easier and quicker to make. And then of course, the better thing about when you work in a team ad is that when you have a good uh, team with you and, 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 and you give them, you know, you delegate them to take some decisions uh, off your shoulder, I think that is something very important uh, as well. It's not about the one-man show, you know. It's about getting your team involved and asking them to take decisions sometimes on your behalf, which is
0: something I I, I do a lot during my work. 100%. And one final thing, just because I want people to see the bigger picture here, like how important is it to have an inner circle? Now, I'm being honest here. You've always been in my inner circle. Over the years, I know I could message you, non-work-related, all work related and we will always in like correspondence and support each other I, I can think of at least three calls we've had that were non work related I know oh, there yes. was a lot that got off your plate and I, I'm just trying to share the listeners that I think at times when we think about careers we think about work 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 instead of human beings human beings human beings and I think if you support the yeah. human being it actually makes pursuing a career in the sports industry more fulfilling I mean come on. Yeah. Ed, I'm gonna say something
1: that I don't know if you want me to say it or not, but uh, you know we, we've we've had a very very good friendship, and not only me, i I mean my two kids, Ali yeah. and Adam, you know they <laughs> ask about you, you sent them <laughs> you sent them a football and and a, and a pair of goalkeeper gloves. I know. You know one day, and and they thanked you a lot. We got on a call. They were very happy. So, yes, of course, it's not about business, business, business. No, it's about friendship and, and building that that relationship, you know. And then at the end of the day, you always help me get in touch with people that I need to know. Whenever you need to to um, to hook up with somebody, you know, here you go, Ed, here's yeah. their, their WhatsApp or their their phone number. And it's about building that network. It's not only about business at all. At all. No,
0: I share that because I think it helps with making a decision. Like when if people are listening and going, Ed I don't have a network yet well this is the magic when you do and we'll touch on this in a bit bit later on our conversation because Dee and I can share a bundle of tips because we've even done webinars on it but I just want to say this question now but we were we will talk about networking I think this works really well and I always say this question for returning guests right like reflecting from our last podcast what skill reflecting have you developed or traits like what's one thing you have grown as a person from when we last spoke on that podcast, reflecting. Oh, um,
1: what I think, uh, I think I've learned a lot, especially when I moved back into the sports, uh, into, the, into the football club. Um, I learned or I gained more about uh, resilience, um, uh, how, to, how to adapt and how to... Um, yeah, how to adapt uh, to different uh, cultures and different environments. Um, the, the corporate environment, Ed, is totally, totally different than the sports uh, environment. Um, you know, on, on, the, on the business side, on the corporate side, you have emails, you have meetings, you have presentations, you have the decisions, you have budgets, you have Excel sheets, you have files. Mostly on the other side, uh, on the sports side, some places yeah they do have you know a little bit of what we what I've talked about, but maybe maybe budgets okay, but the rest you know in management managing your team, managing your people, that's not something very very common and very popular on this side. So for me, this was one of my biggest challenges that I, I that that the, to use your your communication skills and and knowing how to deal with both with both sides, because if if you are Totally corporate, and you walk into the sports field, which which I called field, and you know why I called it field, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, when you walk onto the the sports field with the corporate background and attitude, you're not going to do anything, because we are a bit far in the sports side. Same thing when you come off from the sports side and you walk into the corporate side, you need to develop yourself and 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 know how to to communicate with different mindsets with different Quality of people, different calibers, different backgrounds, because you don't want people in the corporate saying, Ah, oh, uh, he used to be a football player; he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, he's on both sides. You know that 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 um, uh, that message that people a lot of people uh, use, and same thing, you know, on the other side. So it's about you know developing your personality skills and and your resilience and knowing how to adapt and communicate with with different cultures, and so that that is very important.
0: This is just thinking outside the box, because honestly, through the current job you're doing, let's say the last 12 months, like before getting the promotion, I've seen you on the football pitch, then I see you in your office area, which is quite cool. Like it, I'm just trying to paint the picture for the listener of like, I know it sounds silly, but even the clothing you wear, maybe in the office to what you wear on the football pitch, is that a, like a good way with our body language to connect with people better? Let's say you're in your suit on the football field. Do you think that would be harder uh, to, to have that engagement with the players? But if you're wearing some football kit, you know, at least you're getting that common ground. Does that sort of make sense? Because I think culture is such an important factor in the football industry in, in general. But I just want to paint the picture. Is, is that how you adapted? That's what I mean. Um, that side of things.
1: That, that, that is just me. Um, you know, I, like I said, I used to be a football player. Um, I still am a good, uh, football player, by the way, uh, whenever, whenever I, uh, you know, I, I'm at the office, um, you know, you, you, wear, I wear my office, my, my office hat, uh, and I get things done in the office, you know, whenever I'm, when, when there's practice, you know, I always love to go down on the pitch with the players, uh, whether it's the first team players, the youth team, the academies that we have, uh, the girls' academy, whenever I'm on the pitch, you have no idea what message uh, that I send to the players. And to me, to me, creating that motivation and that, that fun environment, this is the most important message or the important thing of, of sports at the end of the day. You know, when I go down onto the pitch with the first team and I train with them, and I not a player, or when I take our goalkeeper and I score penalties on them, or, or even when we're playing a small friendly uh, a match, and I score and, 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 you know, the players actually, they love seeing me, you know, on the pitch with them. And it gives them that extra, you know, motivation to, to perform better and to perform even more harder to show me that, you know what, that they're having a good, a good time. And, and at the end of the day, I, like I said at the, at the beginning, if you don't do something that you're enjoying, then you're not going to do it 100%. So making that that in creating that that environment that fun environment that motivational environment even in the dressing room, um, you know after we after finish training you know even before when the kids or when the players see that I'm going to uh, to be on the pitch with them, you know they start having fun they come up and they say okay I'm going to score today they're going to score today and there's some kind of a challenge happening between us already you know but again it just raises the spirit of the players and it makes them perform even better. And, 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 and at that time, you know, and, and during this year we made our own slogan, um, which is, which is one team, one dream. And and this is something I had to embed into their heads that we are here guys as one team. And, and it's not about me, 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 or you, you, it's about us. And, and that I think, um, it, it wasn't very easy but it was a tough uh, challenge. But thank God we, we did it. We, uh we got promoted in one year to the second division which is right under the egyptian premier league hopefully we'll we'll reach the premier league uh this year or maybe next year but um it's creating that winning environment uh, you know in even in the dressing room it 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 does make a very very big difference so um again like i said at the beginning it's about adapting to the different uh atmosphere which is very very important
0: just really quickly how does that spirit rub off to let's say the Staff in the office because I assume it it were, it works they, both ways.
1: They 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 love it. They they uh, uh, even the people in the office they say, oh, why do we always see you in shorts? Well, because I'm a sports <laughs> director and I like wearing shorts, you know. And uh, and like I said, yeah, I mean, so when I go to the office, of course, you know, my office at uh, uh, at in the stadium, you know, uh, when I go to the office in Cairo, of course, I cannot go in shorts, but uh, you know. It it always shows uh, shows them it send it send a message to them that you know what I'm very close to my to my job close to my players to my coaches and the staff and this is something that that, that they they value very very much.
0: Absolutely. Now I wanted to dig into one element of the work you've been doing. And that's the marketing of the club. And you know where I'm going with this conversation because we before you got I think the week you got the role we we had a brainstorm call because you had all the ideas like that slogan. I remember that because tr- you've just triggered it. Uh, that you wanted to create that winning environment and then you went Ed we need to have a mascot and we started thinking of all sorts of animals Um, I'm not gonna lie I'm still gonna stick to my uh, flag of Cairo the camel Um, but I would love you to talk about your tiger mascot at the club because honestly guys if you want a little case study of how a mascot can elevate a brand at a football club check out team because this tiger's gone everywhere and it's engaging with so many fans in the community and if you don't mind this is just the only side I would love to dig deep because I would love you just to share how this mascot has sort of engaged the club in so many ways not just on the pitch but off the pitch
1: yeah see I mean uh, we are the only club in in Egypt and I think maybe in Africa I'm I'm not 100% sure but in Africa I mean in, in, in the first divisions that has a mascot um the the whole um reason of having a mascot is is something that builds a, a lot of um uh how can you say it, it builds a lot of um uh, um engagement and loyalty towards the youngsters the young generations they love they love seeing the mascot uh, we came up with the tiger or nimr we call him nimr um he he I, I really don't know what to say, but he made a huge, huge impact with the youngsters. Uh, when he goes down on the pitch with the young boys or girls uh, during the academies or during the youth teams, he goes and he gets involved with the kids and they, they, they start to love El Nimr or our Tiger mascot. And even one of the cases that one day uh, one of the young boys missed one of the training sessions And his parents came the next day and said, Mr. Dia, uh, our son missed the training yesterday and the mascot El Nimr was was at the training and he started to cry the next day because he missed and he wasn't able to see El Nimr and meet up with him. So that what I'm trying to do here is using this mascot to build um, loyalty towards our club. Because what, every club has to have a message towards its fans and its local community. I really, I really don't uh, like the concept of youngsters that live in a city and they have a big football club beside their house or, or near their house. And then they say, oh, I want to go and play for another team, which is about seven, 800 miles away from their club. You know, So uh, we do have a big lack in this issue because most of the football clubs, do not focus on their local uh, community um our mascot like i said he 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 does a lot of things on the pitch and off the pitch as well we use them for some csr issues uh and, and again it's not the, it's not something new ed i mean if you look at the nba abroad and nfl and hockey teams you know of course they have been they're, they're way ahead of us in, in in the sports industry but you see most of the teams there they have mascots and uh, and those mascots, they they they're they're very much involved in uh, in getting the fan engagement during the matches. You know, and they do a lot of CSR issues, and and again, a lot of teams. You know, they're very very popular. You know, like Arsenal they have their Gyradosaurus uh, uh, mascot, which is a dinosaur. Uh, Liverpool they have it, and, and, and like I said, a lot of teams do have. So it was it was a challenge for me to to come up with something like that here. And I think we did a very, very good job with our Nimr. And I mean, um, yeah, he—he—and uh, even last week when we were celebrating two weeks ago, there was a small video uh, on 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 social media. He was dancing uh, because we got uh, we got the the trophy and we got promoted. So uh, <laughs> a lot of people were very happy with that video as well.
0: And just really quickly, just final point on this, because I just want young students or people who are studying football management to, to learn from like a social media standpoint, how powerful did it build the brand? Let's say on the Twitter, because I follow you guys on Twitter and with that mascot, it just, it it brings a smile and, and where it brings even more of a smile, it's not just um, it, it's boys and girls, which your mascot engages with. And I know you're a big fan of trying to, build um your girls programs and women's programs as well at the club so i'm just trying to just intrigued of from a brand perspective on twitter keeping it simple how much did it have an influence there uh, with all the sort of the graphics and that side of things
1: yeah see see social media of course over the last 10 years has been something uh you know crazy uh brands and for reaching out to people you know um, when 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 we first came when I first joined i we, we didn 't have like we had like five or ten followers on twitter and uh, now today we we have i think almost two thousand or more than two thousand on twitter we have thousands on facebook and uh and what what I tried to do as well is because we are owned by a mexican uh company we even tweeted sometimes or we posted sometimes and reached out to our club in Mexico. And, and funny enough, we, we, we have a lot of followers on our Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram from Mexico as well, because I, when, I, when we have the brand Semex on our T-shirts, uh, people were like, wait a minute, you guys sponsored by Semex Like the Tegeles team in Mexico? And uh, I'm like, no, we are Semex own- owns Astud uh, Cement FC, and they own uh, Tigres team. So we are owned by the same uh, company. So I managed to get in uh, some followers from Mexico, and even even to tell you honestly, uh, one of the uh, one of uh, a big uh, famous sports reporter there in Mexico. He sent me a direct message on Twitter, and he was very, very impressed. He said, listen, can you do me a favor? I want a T-shirt from you guys. So we, we, I got him a T-shirt. We printed his name on it, and we signed. I got the whole team to sign on the T-shirt, and we sent it to Mexico for him. And he was very, very happy uh, with that. He didn't believe it, actually. <laughs> he was very, very happy. And then another guy... Um, his name is Roberto, he's a graphic designer. He said, listen, can I do a couple of drawings for you guys in Asyut, in Egypt? And I said, sure, do it. He made us a couple of uh, of drawing, graphic designs, and we posted it on our, our, our social media. And we even thanked him. We said, gracias, uh, Roberto, or thank you, Roberto, as well. For your uh, for your commitment, your support, and 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 for your design, so it's about again. We we try to use our social media to get uh, engagement and, and with with other fans. And I think you know we've done not a bad job in, in our first year with uh, with this.
0: Dear, you've done and your team have done a phenomenal job. Like from the first ever conversation we had before you started, we were brainstorming to see where it is now. It's just fantastic, and I love it just shows how the power of a mascot or the power of a brand can reach globally through other satellite clubs, like you say in Mexico. I think that's fascinating too. Look, I want to talk to, now you're also a sort of a lecturer as well. You're teaching um, football industry professionals. And I know before the call we were thinking like, how can we uh, talk about topics of an industry standpoint in the football industry in particular? And I want to talk about passion, of football industry versus the business of football industry which you've already mentioned like off the, the the field because I I know you said the football industry and you are right it can be used as a buzzword than actually as an operation like a business so I just wanted to sort of dig deep from this side because I think when students realize that when you work in this industry you really can't have just hear me out here the the fan perspective I'm a Man United fan but when I Think about the football industry. Sure. I, have to, yes, yes, I know yes. I, I shouldn't say that live, should I? After what's going on at the moment, but the point is, <laughs> when I think about the football industry, I don't think that I'm a fan. I have to think in a business or logical standpoint. I'm not saying you can't think about fan engagement, meaning methods of engaging with fans, but I just think sometimes with the football industry, we let our inner fan influence the business of football. And I know this is something that's really passionate for you to to teach the right way. So again I'm going to rephrase the question like the passion of the football industry versus the business of the football industry like how do you relate to those two areas okay um I am
1: a I am a right now like you said I'm an instructor uh, a FIFA CIS uh, instructor and I teach in the FIFA diploma the sports management module um and um the, the main the main challenge here is to to identify exactly what does the word industry mean okay and and this is how i start off my 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 my, my lectures and i ask the the, the youngsters and, and and honestly speaking you know they, they've been doing a, a wonderful job here in egypt you know we we've been getting a lot, a lot of applications for people, for youngsters who want to join the football or the sports uh, field. And, and the way I start off my lectures is, is, you know, what is an industry in general? As people have to know, dis- despite what product you are working uh, with, Ed, maybe you're in the fashion industry, maybe you're in the cars industry, maybe you're in the real estate industry, but what do we mean by the word industry? Well, in a very simple way, Industry or, or or that or that word means that you are working in a business. You need to uh, create some revenues, some money, income that you make. Uh, you need to do some marketing. You need to do some sales. You need to work with your budget, and so on. You need to have an HR department which hires these proper people who can do these jobs and do proper sales for you, do proper marketing for you, and and at the end of the day. You gain your results by uh, looking at your balance sheets, your income statements. Okay, if I don't, if I'm not making money at the end of the year, then I'm doing something wrong. And a lot of businesses they close because they're not making that money, they're not making that um, uh, revenues, they're not making that uh, that income. So what I what I what I'm trying to teach the people here, and this is not only here in Egypt, but it's in Africa, and this is something very important. Like you said. Uh, That, that, you know, uh, the the, the football uh, industry of Africa, we're going to uh, an event next month, we're going to talk about is how do we we switch what I've just said into the sporting side? Okay, because when you look abroad today, the big football clubs uh, that we're talking about in Europe and uh, even in the U.S., um, they have a huge staff they have an hr department they have marketing they have event management they have safety they have uh sales and they have their social media teams that, you know and it's not only about the 10 15 players that they have on the first team and winning and losing games no so if, if and and like we all know the financial fair play uh case that we have by that is applied uh, through fifa that football clubs are should make, uh, should spend money from what they make. Okay. Uh, And if they're spending more than what they make, then we'll have a problem. Uh, On our side of the world, that concept is not even available yet. Um, A lot of clubs are just spending, 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 and they don't have that revenue return. Okay. So what I'm trying to say here is that something is missing big time. Now for us to use the, the concept of the industries, so whatever uh, product, like I said on this a, a, a while ago, we need to, to adapt it and use it on the sports side. Okay, so it's not about just being a, a one team. No, a football club has to be run as if it's any other business. Once we start making, generate revenues from our football club, you know, and, and like you know, Ed, uh, the, you know, the, the main three revenue streams for every, any football love is you know match day revenues, which is tickets and and food and and and, and uh and their merchandise shops there's commercials and then there's broadcasting so once we start getting into that and we start making the money or making the revenue from these different sources then we can start calling ourselves industry so that's why i call it we are now in the field because you know we we, we don't have that 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 corporate or that business mindset yet uh, on the sports side.
0: Look, I really do hope people are taking notes because I think this is like the fundamentals. Like I'm always a big believer of the, uh, the basics. Uh, I, and you triggered it with Chris Ducker, who's one of my mentors. He goes at the end of the day, Ed, a business comes down to your profit and loss spreadsheet. <laughs> and it sounds really sad, but he's spot on and it's a sort of a reality check even now how you've explained it just then. Um, but just one tiny thing with a football club, because I think this is just as important as running a business, is the the importance, like you've mentioned it already, with the power of connecting with the community. Because really, I, I like to say Liverpool or Everton, but I'm sticking with Everton because I sort of know what they do behind the scenes. But it's not just what they do at a match day, it's how they connect with their hospitals, their schools, because that is where you're engaging with a community to build that ecosystem as well so how important is that element i get you need the three revenue streams but if you have that community element too i think it's a massive win 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 because it's like an ecosystem within its own community
1: of course yes and and and, and that's like i what i just said you know that is, is one of the, the the ways of building that in loyalty to from your youngsters when they grow up, you know, you want them to be part of your, uh, of your club. You want them to buy season tickets. You want them to buy every year a new jersey. You know, you want them to support your team whenever you have a match. You want stadiums to be full. Now, if you don't reach out to those youngsters and, and try and build that, that loyalty part that you're talking about, you know, you're going to have a game. Kids are not going to come and watch your team, you know, uh-huh. empty stadiums. So at the end of the day, like I said, you know, the ticketing is something very important. And it's one of the revenue streams that football clubs depend on, rely on it. And you look at the games in London, or not just the UK, not just the first division, even in the championship and the third division, stadiums are full, you know, because, because of course, sport, the football is, you know, their, their number one uh, sport there. But like I'm saying, these clubs do a lot of work towards their local community, and they do reach out to schools, to hospitals with CSR engagements, you know. And this is like something that we, you know, we use our, our mascot to do, you know, because we want the kids to grow up loving our club and supporting, uh, supporting the club. You know, even, even, even you know, when, when we have our first team play, uh, games in our stadium, we send buses and we bring in the youngsters from the academies, from the youth division, and they come and they watch the team. And uh, funny enough, uh, I can send you <laughs> that we had. I have a voice uh, note recorded from the kids. They were supporting the, the, the first team, and they were they were shouting. They were they were cheering. They were going three, two, one. Asman the number one, and they were cheering <laughs> the, the players in English. Wow! And then the and the players were coming off the pitch like, Mister, why are they sh- uh, cheering us in English? I'm Not an Arabic. I thought, well, because you guys are international.
0: <laughs> oh, brilliant.
1: it was funny, but you know that that is just the way of of building the engagement towards the, the to the, the loyalty for, towards the the uh, the youngsters. you know even another small thing is bringing in the first team players, and this is something I did in Canada when I was playing, you know, bringing in a couple of first team players and letting them go down and talk to the youngsters during the academies, during the youth teams, and making them even train with the youngsters, that builds a lot of motivation uh, and happiness on the kids' faces when they see a, a, a first-team player training with them. So Role models. Uh, yeah, role, they have to be, you know, like, like I said, like role models and something that we lack big time in this area. You know, uh, this is something very, very important. And it's very, very easy and simple. And it, it's not going to cost anybody anything, you know, to... Uh, to do that but the return on something like that is something very very huge
0: as I said I hope people are taking notes and it comes down to getting those little basics and fundamentals right I'm going to pivot this conversation on a topic we both know pretty well and I'm going to share a little story I won't go too long but the key theme is networking it's amazing how yes. many times I've had people come to me going Ed how do you build your network and I always say it's one conversation at a time, and Really, I'm going to share a very short version of how I got connected with uh, Deer, and it literally started with a guy called Alan Seymour. I had a an hour and a half Zoom call sharing my vision of my podcast about yeah seven years ago. He said, "There's a guy you got to connect with on Twitter called Deer." We had a podcast chat, then it led to me interviewing Brian Wasseller. I said, "Brian, you got to connect with uh, Deer." Then Deer said to me, "There's this." Really enthusiastic guy in a, in America called uh, Marius Christoph Fantos yeah. where he connected um, us together, and then this is one of my favorite ones where i'm um, got connected with dev Kumar Palmer, and I went, hold on dev's going to Egypt doing going to a law congress uh dear, are you available and before you know, it, I sort are of up yeah there, and then there's Syed and then there's Sean Simbo, like the list could go on and the key thing everybody it's like a domino effect and it's easy I think there's that great Steve Jobs quote where you can only connect the dots looking backwards and hopefully that little story I've shared of those dots backwards but at the beginning it can be very nerve-wracking but relating to that little story that was very short short version dear like reflecting like with all those connections we've both helped each other out and we've both sort of been open like how vital is that because I don't I think that's been one of my strengths reflecting is like being open with your network and connecting the right people it's such a great asset for everybody because everybody wins and i just want to hear your side of what i've just said just then you know uh,
1: i i don't want to talk too much about this i mean this is just a personal thing ed i mean either you have it or you don't i mean mm-hmm. i whenever anybody- talks to me, sends me messages, maybe sometimes I'm a little bit late on replying because maybe I'm busy, maybe I have too many messages, but it comes down to your personality, you know, you want to help out people or you don't want to, you know, I I, I personally think that the people, the positivities that people have, you always, over the time, you always build that trust and, and, and network with another positive person, you know, when you find somebody that's all very quiet, he doesn't want to uh, to, uh, um, to support you, doesn't want to hook you up with somebody, doesn't want to put you in touch with somebody, you know, two, three months and you just drop him and you, you don't communicate with him. You know, and only the positivity is something that keeps going on and, 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 on, and on and on through this, uh, this part you were talking about. When you ask me about somebody, if I don't have it, I will definitely try and get it for you, you know? Same thing if I ask you, Ed, do you know this guy? And you don't, um, you will do some efforts to try and do it. And and I think, you know, this is, like I said, it comes down to the, the way your personality, the way you were brought up, you're a helpful guy or you're not. I don't want to go into the negative part of this because some people, they don't do it because, oh, I don't want Ed to know this guy or this person, you know, <laughs> you, know you know that, but I don't look at that at all. I always look at the positive part, you know, and it, it, it is something very, very, very important, like you said, you know, and, and the more we communicate and. You have no idea, Ed. I mean, the, the, the students that I teach, you know, in the FIFA uh, diploma, you know, right after they finish the course, uh, you know, they connect with me and I go out and I meet up with them and I, I always sit with them as much as I can. We're on the phone. They have ideas that they want to do in the sports field, you know, and I, I listen to them. I give them advice. I put them in touch with other people who have maybe the same idea. And this is just the way, you know, my my... My, my personality is, and this is the way I like to, to to support the youngsters, especially when you see the amount of passion that they have you know to work in this field it's incredible and and I, and, I, and I, I'm totally you know one of the guys that i'm, I'm really I'm not really you know um, happy with the outcomes of of the way sports is run in, in in Africa today, even though we have a lot of young passion but it's just about having you know putting them in the right place and uh, and 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 giving them that opportunity because like i said some people don't want other people to get involved they don't uh, they they, think they they feel like it's a threat to them and so on so um we just have to keep on like just like what we're doing me we and you you know keep on looking on the positive side and hopefully one day you know things will will, will change and, and we'll have all of the the the, the good connectors uh on the same on the same field
0: as you taught me this great phrase it's all about keep hustling you know (laughs) I think that's it really is um during the the highs and lows but it's during the lows without a doubt dear and I'm going a bit deep here because I think it's important it's the low periods when I've learned my network was most useful not for an opportunity the friendship side like I'm going deep here like particularly with like like the the pandemic period. I I don't really want to bring up that topic again, but it happened. It influenced the sports industry massively. Um, I do think that's reflecting having that right attitude and just being open. It actually won. I don't know your thoughts here, but for me reflecting, it's made my sports career journey more fulfilling, more enjoyable, actually more fun. I love connecting people. Like really quickly, the day you shared me that tweet with you and Dev in Egypt at that event, I was just like, buzzing because i knew you two would have a great conversation you had similar values you care about the industry and also you're both educators so even to this day i look back going when i have those down days i'm like well i'm still turning up and i will stick i'll keep connecting to this day and with the gas to africa i want to bring this up because our dear friend uh, brian Wassella, i gosh he was on my show four years ago um And he's been just as hustling and keeping consistent with his vision. Like, would you mind just sharing about um, his event and also what you're looking forward to as a speaker? Because, like you said, the whole goal of his event, which is the Africa Football Business Summit, is bringing the right people in the room, which I think is vital, particularly with the governance of the industry. But I'd love your thoughts overall of what I've just said.
1: Brian, I mean, this guy is just doing uh, an amazing, amazing job and and lots of efforts in promoting this. Not even, not just the event, before that event. Um, You know, we had several talks, me and him, we haven't met yet. Uh, We've had several chats, Zooms together, and um, he knows exactly what he wants but the environment around him is not very, how can you say it's not very much helping him to achieve that. And for him to come up with this event that it's uh, next month, they they invited me over to become a, as a speaker there. And uh, we had a couple of chats, me and him, about the topic. And uh, you know Africa, uh, Ed, is, is to me is a big, big gold mine um, that has a lot of potential and opportunities in Africa but it's not very well, uh, um, utilized. Why a lot of, you know, I don't want to go onto the politics sides, but there's a lot of political reasons there's a lot of educational development reasons, you know, the development of the coaches, for example, in Africa is not, is nowhere, you know, compared to what we see in Europe uh, and in the U S uh, and again you know i feel uh, i feel very very sorry when i when i check out you know the, the coaches that we have here not just in egypt and in africa as well you know they have a lot of passion but their education is not very they don't have that the coaching license budget they don't have it they don't even have access to it you know and to me when 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 we look at football access you know, oh, football is about the, the players no it's not about the players football the players the coaches make the players you know and if you say oh, but we have these very good players, that means because you have some good coaches, you know? Um, Africa has a holistic uh, build in the players' bodies in their in their build, you know? They have strengths, they have uh, power, they have uh, um, quickness and all that. But again, on the technical side, get the football industry or the football game has evolved a lot over the last five, six years. I mean, a lot of football clubs at abroad, you know, they have four, five, six analysts on their team and in their club. You know, uh, in Egypt and Africa, a lot of coaches till today don't know how to use data. They don't know what performance analysis is. You know, and of course, this is something to me, which is very, very, very sad. Uh, even though there is a big company here in, in 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 Egypt, Kora Stats, they are a performance analysis company. They do a lot of courses for coaches and for people who want to get into the, uh, the, uh, the data anal- analysis uh, part of the game, you know. But still, again, we are very, very much way, way behind, you know. I mean, you look at, you look at the teams abroad, you know, the head coach Arteta or, or whoever, Jurgen Klopp, he's on the, on the, uh, on the line, uh, coaching his team during a game, and then the analyst would get up and show him a tablet or a piece of paper that has some data on the piece of paper. You know, and that just shows you how important data is for a coach to take a decision. You know, it could be some data regarding his team, maybe it's uh, some data regarding uh, the the team that they're playing against. So, again, you know, we are still very, very far from that, and that's something that we want to, uh, to we want to highlight uh, during the summit, and also the the part of you know running a football club in a proper way. Uh, this is also something that we're going to talk about uh, during the summit, um, and hopefully we can we can we can meet up with a lot of club owners and to tell them you know how to start operating the football club in a in a in a proper way.
0: One hundred percent. You just dropped another person who we know very very well, and I know you've met him far few times in person as well with the data side, aside, You know, with regards yeah. to the technology side at the football club, not just. The performance but the data of how a football club runs is vital with the different pillars um worth a listen everybody I'll, I'll leave the uh, link in the show notes but just from the positive side I like when I've seen Brian's event marketing it's been phenomenal and where I'm excited is you're getting the right people in the right room and how excited are you for that side of things the people you'll meet uh, afterwards it can lead to collaborations lead to new way of thinking because that to me I think's The right outlook to look at this event, then, um, as you say, looking at the uncontrollables of how the industry is right now in Africa.
1: There's going to be a lot. I mean, I've seen the list of speakers. There's a huge, huge list of a lot of uh, very, very, you know, high-educated and 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 big, big profiles. Even Emmanuel uh, Emoniki. uh, He used to be a Zamalek. He's a good friend of mine. He used to be a Zamalek player. Egypt, and he played for Barcelona. He was a head coach of uh, Nigeria, and he won the World Cup with the under-17 team. So he, he's, a, he's a huge legend to me. He's going to be there at the event. and he's going to share his experiences as well and, and give advice to the uh, to people. Uh, there's people that worked for CAF. Ashta, she used to be head of the legal uh, depart, department in, at CAF. She's going to be there. There's a lot of people that I've seen. Uh, I'm sorry that I don't remember all of them right now, but and, and a lot of, of experiences that uh, Brian bring in and then they're going to be able to share their experiences with, with, the, with, the, uh, with the attendees at the event. And I'm sure they're going to have a very, very big outcome after that. I'm sure. And it's going to be like you said, it's going to be a good network for us to connect as well with these people. You know, if they need advice after that, you know, we're always here to help out.
0: 100 percent. And to all the listeners listening in, there will be links in the show notes to the event. And. Look, dear, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been so natural, like, to be honest, I wanted it to be like this. But just reflecting, though, what have you enjoyed from your sports career journey looking back literally right now, but particularly if you don't mind the last 12 months of the build-up to the getting promoted? I know there was probably some stress along the way, but there must have been some enjoyment, enjoyable moments too.
1: I'm getting goosebumps right now when I'm talking about the goosebumps, when I, the enjoyment part. I mean, when we got promoted um, Ed, we, 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 during the season on the last day when we got promoted, I mean, when I was down on the pitch with the players and, and they were they just grabbed me and started throwing me up in the air, you know, celebrating. To me, that was just, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. You know, the, we, we were all crying. We had tears in our eyes crying because we managed to finish uh, all of the games without... We only had one defeat during the league, during the season. And it was the last game of the season, which we were already promoted the week before it. So that last game wasn't something very important, but we got promoted without any losses during the season. Uh, we had like 12 clean sheets. So it, it was just a lot of hard, hard work. And during that day, when when we were celebrating, you have no idea how it felt. Uh, uh, the kids, the youngsters they came. They're running onto the pitch with the big players, with the first team players. Um, to me, that is just you know, you know, I, I don't know how to, ex- to 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 explain it, but you have to live that moment to 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 know exactly what I feel. And even on the on the other side, my my FIFA lectures, I, I won the best instructor award. Um, to me, you know, that was just something again showed me that you know a lot of youngsters and kids they appreciated what i've done and and they felt it was an add value to them and just for them to come up and say you know what you you were the best and 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 we learned a lot from you and we want to connect with you after that to me that is just something you know uh prizes for me you know And, and it just makes me you know feel very very happy about that and um and at the end of the day you know it's 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 about you know achieving what you feel uh, and at the end of the day, it made me feel that you know what, dear? I did the right decision when I left the IT. So that's the bottom line.
0: One hundred percent, and you're giving me goosebumps because for me, listen to your tone in particular. This is what wakes you know gets us up in the morning. You know, like all the hard work behind the scenes. It's for those priceless moments you can't get unless you put in the hard work, and and that's just you as a lecturer and author or an instructor and also what you're doing at the football club. But, you know, my friend, at the end of every podcast, I like to finish with an inspirational one uh, for listeners. But I'd like you just to share, this is key, three qualities you would forward to the listeners right now with regards to pursuing a career in the football industry. Okay, so I want qualities, not tips. I mean, real qualities reflecting that have supported you, which you can share to the listeners, please. No,
1: that's a tough question, Ed. Um, to work or to be involved in the sports uh, industry, um, number one, you must have the passion, number one, because you don't want to work and, and wake up every morning and go and, and do something that you don't love. Uh, and at the end of the day, like I said, sports is about, you know, um, it's about your, your, it's something that you like to do you know it's not a, it's not a, I don't want to call it a, a nine- to five job and that's it no it's something that you need to have the passion about. So passion I think is something very important. And maybe at this time you're not going to make the, the amount of money that you could be making at a corporate job. okay So you have to be very you know, open and honest with yourself about I'm doing this because I love to do it and I want to do it and I think I need to, 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 to do it as well. Um education part, of course, is something very, very important. Um, it's not because I was a player that means I'm going to be a good uh, person running a football club or managing a football. No, it doesn't work like that. You need to do your studies, you need to to, to have some education as well. And, and then number three, maybe it's the first word that you you opened up at the beginning, the resilience part, you know. And how to to be flexible when it comes to dealing with different profiles and and um, uh, and 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 not only just profiles, but with different environments too. Because uh, sometimes you 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 you're in the changing room or the dressing room with a winning team. Sometimes you're with a losing team. Uh, Sometimes you meet with with different people that are not involved in the club, but you want to bring them in. You have Part of your staff, they're not happy. You need to make them happy to create that, that winning environment in order to achieve best outcome. And if you don't have that resilience, know how to, 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 to manage between those both sides, it's going to be very, very, very difficult. Because like I said, you want everybody to be in the same direction. And like I said, one team and have one dream to, to, to make that happen. That is not very easy, but... Um, it, 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 you can do it you can do it i'm sure
0: 100 percent. and actually that's why i wanted resilience to be involved with this podcast topic and i'm so glad you shared that as your third one because even for me reflecting on the questions i was thinking what well, of dear and i saw have in common because we're still here we're still hustling and i do think it's that resilience um of not quitting either it's just um there's always going to be ups and downs everybody let me be so truthful here and dear can relate to that as well but the, the key thing we're here and the key thing we, we're always um show, showing up and that's another thing i've always admired from you dear you've always show up and look my friend how can people interact with you sorry interact with you online like where are the best places to go
1: you you have my social media links uh at my twitter my linkedin my my facebook um definitely um uh, i'm always out there to uh to engage with people, people need advice there. I, even on my Twitter, I have on my profile, I have free advice. I don't ask people for money because <laughs> so, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it to help out people. And a lot of youngsters, they do connect with me. And, I, and whenever we can, we meet up, we have a coffee, we, we have a phone call, and I, I try to do my best to give them support and help them, you know, start their track in a, in a proper way to work in the, in the sports field. So, yeah, you have my, like my Twitter, my Facebook, uh, uh, my LinkedIn. Of course, it would be a pleasure to, to, to connect with, uh, with anybody. Uh, to me, it's, it's such a pleasure and honor for me.
0: Dear, that is amazing to all the listeners listening. All those links will be on my website with regards to this blog post. Dear, as always, my friend, it's such a joy, or mate, I should say, such a joy to have you back on the show and a real, real pleasure. It was a real pleasure to have you back. Thank you. No, it, it was such
1: a pleasure to me, uh, uh, Ed. And uh, you, I just want to tell you to keep hustling and keep up the great work you're doing. And uh, hopefully we we need to meet up soon, you know. Uh, hopefully it will happen.
0: What a fantastic podcast chat with Diaz And for me on a personal note, I couldn't have picked a better special guest to return with regards to this milestone of episode 300. But with regards to you and with regards to today's podcast topic, I hope you've got a better understanding with regards to the importance of being resilient with regards to yourself. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. It's part of the process with regards to your career development. And I hopefully you've learned from Deer's journey, even the part which I really liked near the beginning of the importance of how you make a risky decision. And I want to emphasize one point he made. He said, you know, look at all the data, get as much information through the people around you you can ask for advice and then you've got to go for it and unfortunately with any decisions you make you have to understand that there's always that risk element because that's how the sports industry is it's like winning it's taking those bigger decisions that lead to the better results in the end so I hope you enjoyed that part as much as I did and then finally I have to recap is the networking aspect of our conversation honestly I'm so grateful how dear and I are so similar with our values of how we network in the sports industry. And I hope you just got a little understanding of if you do it the right way, it's actually the most enjoyable aspect of the sports industry. Like, to be clear, I have not met dear in person, but I know his family, we've had conversations where we just support each other, non-work related. This is the importance of imp- building meaningful relationships in the sports industry because it doesn't just create opportunities from a career aspect it actually creates friendships and when you have that friendships it makes work so much more enjoyable so I really do hope you enjoyed that aspect and from a sports career standpoint right at the end with those three tips because it is used all the time with the word passion but you can hear the passion with regards to dear and how he approaches his line of work as an instructor and also involved running a football club too. You can hear the passion through his voice. But like he said, you still need to have the knowledge to back it up, to have the understanding of the sports industry, football industry, or like his point of view of industry, it's running like a business that is successful. So look, thank you now, for being such a loyal listener to the show. I am super grateful that you've been part of this journey. And as I said, down below in the show notes, I'm going to share past, our past podcast chat, which is fascinating, and all the other links I've mentioned during this conversation. But in the meantime, apply that one learning lesson you've taken from this conversation and apply it to your sports career development now and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Dia said To achieve the best outcome to work in the sports industry, you need to have the passion in what you want to do, and then have the resilience to be honest with yourself and believe in your ability.